Welcome to Business Talk Sister Talk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is The Fears of Starting a Business. This is part two in our series on fear. Now, the first thing we wanted to talk about was last week we did What is Fear? And I think we didn't cover this enough, but fear is actually a gift to everyone. If you have no fear as as a child, you're, you could probably get psychologically tested. <laughs> People are a little nervous about you, right? Because parents want to instill healthy fear into, um, into kids of being hit by a car while they're on their bike or um, putting their finger in an outlet so that they don't get electrocuted. If you have fear, that's actually a good thing, right? Because there are situations that you will um, lose money or time or friends, but... In business, when you're thinking about starting a business, it's important to evaluate whether or not that fear is really rational, Mm. right? And I think that one of the things that I recently saw somebody post about, like as a joke, like kind of just like laughing about this, and I just thought, wow, that's so true. And I can't go back and like legitimately cite it because um, it was on Clubhouse like a long time ago, Um, but Elon Musk was on Clubhouse and somebody like asked him what advice or what words of encouragement do you have for someone who wants to become an entrepreneur? And he said, you don't need words of encouragement or if you need words of encouragement, don't become an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think that's so true because, um, a lot of times there's going to be nobody cheering for you Mm -hmm. when you decide to start something and that's okay if you can just push forward but there's this fear a lot of times especially about um rejection like oh well i couldn't talk to people about um what i'm doing because i don't want people to reject me and and i think that if that's what's stopping you is that rational and there's a lot of data on like rejection and sales and we've talked a little bit about this um but i know ruthie had some some thoughts she wanted to share too uh, well, one thing that I was thinking about is specifically with sales and whatever is like people will say, go out and get 20 no's. And I love that because it's like you have to just, you're going out and expecting to get no's and, and it, I don't know, that's just some, a thought that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And and I think when you are are looking at fear you have to plan for it. And we kind of talked a little bit about that in the last episode, but I'm going to talk about it more now in regards to business. Now, we did an episode and we it was a pretty quick episode with a David Horsager where he was talking about um, the book that he's coming out with and he rec- re- previously wrote The Trust Edge. And um, one of the things that he said to me like over five years ago or five more than that oh man it was probably like seven years ago he basically said this is the best time in your life to risk why Mm -hmm. don't you just start a business if that's what you think you're supposed to do do it and that was really scary it was so scary for me I did not feel ready to do that I didn't think like I had the authority to do that whatever well it took me a super long time to put myself in a position where I was ready to not be fearful right? And we had to do things like to sacrifice, to be able to build up like a savings fund or whatever, to be able to say, this is, is valuable. And, and when you're thinking about starting a business, if that's a big fear for you, because I talk to a lot of people who are like, I'm just afraid that I'm going to make bad choices and go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And if that's really your fear, 
then you need to financially prepare yourself to have no and be prepared to say, this is all the costs that are going to go into this. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that's like a hobby, okay, I'm just going to give you an example of this. When you take a risk, it should be something you can afford to risk so that if you lose big, you're not reliant on that for your livelihood. Mm. It is, or is it really that big of a risk to put your, like let's say a handmade product on Etsy because it's going to cost you 20 cents a month to list it just to have it out there. Well, if you quant, I like to quantify things by, by years, okay? So can I afford to risk 20 cents per month for 12 months? Can I afford to pay $2.40 a year to see if someone will buy this? Mm. Well, maybe, but did I price it well enough to pay for my costs plus my shipping and the time that went into it and make sure that I can cover the 5% processing fee? If I've done all those things in my price point, then can I afford to spend $2.40 to list one item? But maybe you're saying, well, Etsy doesn't perform well unless you have multiple listings. So then what is that number for you? And do you have to put ads to that or whatever? Those are all things you need to calculate into um, being able to do your projections. So that what is the number that you need to have to be able to say, this is what it's going to cost me to launch this. Mm -hmm. And can I afford to lose all of that? I think one thing that I would really hope that people get out of this podcast episode is that it's not okay. It's being simply afraid is a cop out. Like, oh, I don't want to do this. And I'm afraid. Okay. (laughs) Like just, I don't know. I just think that like that, it's not, it's not a good enough excuse to say I'm afraid of doing it. If you can actually break down and say, well, you know, at this point in my life, I don't think it would be a wise decision for me. Okay. Yeah. At this point in my life, it would be really, really expensive for me to pursue that. Okay. Yeah. But to just say, I'm afraid of doing that. That is like a really lazy answer, honestly. And it just, you, I don't know. We're not going to let you get away with that. That just, you got to like, at least know what those fears are. And then like what Becca's saying, be able to put numbers to it and be able to understand those fears a little bit more and understand the risk going into starting your own business. Mm-hmm. And know and know the time too, because, and, and Ruthie is saying those things pretty bluntly because like, those are literally all the things that I hold her accountable to like, like all the time. All the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you can't just say you can't do it. You have to have justifiable reasons. And if you do and you've thought about it and you've prepped, then I respect that. Mm-hmm. But, and, and so basically like your fear does require safety nets to be in place for you to risk. Right. And that's why, I mean, I appreciate that Dave Ramsey is like, you need to have an emergency fund because if something is like wildly horrible that goes wrong, at least you have something to fall back on. Right. But fear can also come from an unhealthy place of like that trauma or grief. And, and you really need to process that because, um, I know like, there have been times in my life that I have done things like risks that I have taken and had no fear in doing them. But looking back, they were very poor decisions and I made them because I underlyingly had another fear of surviving. And what I mean by that is for um, like a long time ago, I, I went and I studied abroad in Ireland and I, for some reason, didn't like, conceptually think about the fact that they would be giving me like x amount of money um 
every month to pay for my groceries and stuff, but it wasn't a livable amount. Like I should have budgeted for way more. It was probably with like the transaction fees and everything equivalent to like $150 a month. And I wanted to also travel. (laughs) So I was like, okay, how can I do this? And I started doing things like, okay, I'm going to eat like a strawberry sandwich every day for breakfast because like strawberry jelly is the cheapest thing I can find for a topping and I can get bread for really cheap. So every day that's what I would eat. And then sometimes I would mix it up because I bought supplies to make pancakes that was a lot of carbs like straight carbs nothing else (laughs) and then every time I went out to like eat with my friends which I didn't buy anything I would literally eat leftover french fries and for the first like half the semester there was a whole bunch of blackberry plants like full and so I would just eat blackberries all the time (laughs) and I'm like wow this is really good nutritional content that but okay but literally that was my entire diet and I started realizing I was getting all this anxiety I was having like panic attacks I'm like what is wrong with me well I wasn't putting things in my body that were healthy and so then I was making decisions that were really stupid (laughs) like really stupid that I was like because I thought okay if I can just do this and save money here then I'll be able to get through the month and I realized after that time that I never want to live like that again Because it was unhealthy for my relationships with other people because I didn't want to like go places and do things. And because it was really unhealthy for my mental well-being to only eat carbs every day. (laughs) berries and sugar. Yeah. And, (laughs) And like it was, it was seriously like so bad for my health. And I shouldn't have taken those kind of risks without planning. And I learned a lot from that. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to circle back to what Becca was saying about trauma earlier um, and the fear, the emotional side of fear. So when you have a really good idea about something, like maybe there's this really, this business that actually would be viable and you have this like concept of something that would go really well, you have to take a step back and like, and acknowledge the emotions that come up when you are thinking about pursuing that. Do you have a lot of doubt? Do you have this underlying constant nagging sense of perfectionism, which is what I resonate with all the time? It's like, if I can't do something perfectly the first time, I don't want to pursue it because then I'll fail at it. But it, that's that's what the whole process is, is trying and failing. So anyways, perfectionism is something I really struggle with. So is that one reason why you're not wanting to do this? Do you have a lack of resources like time, money, the know-how, the data, the connections? Do you just have this sense of hopelessness of like, oh, I could do this, but it's never going to happen. I'm never going to be able to do that. Like that's not something I could ever see myself actually doing. Like acknowledge those things. What doors are shut? What concerns do you have? What distractions you have? We're going to talk about focus here in a second. Um, But then also thinking about like, Okay, what emotions do you feel? Do you feel completely and totally unsupported? Do you feel like you have nobody to listen to you? Also, just side note, we love to listen to people. So just message (laughs) us on Instagram or Facebook, like really. Anyways, but um, the, okay, let's go back to distraction. So when you first like are thinking of this idea, like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. Acknowledge what those potential distractions are and then how you can circumvent that and develop focus in your life. So Becca, tell us about focus. Okay. So it, it's really helpful if you make a list, right? And then break that list down. So if you're saying, this is what I want to do, then from there, okay, what are the steps that I need to take in order to get there? And then write all those down, but then say, what's the first step? 
What is the very first step that I need to do? Well, I don't know about this. Okay, so then you need to figure out who you can schedule a meeting with to learn more about that. And I will say I, because I'm a very detailed person, there's a step 20 steps ahead of me I'm trying to figure out all the details about that and I'm like getting so stumped because I haven't figured out the 19 steps before and so what Becca really pushes me to do is you figure out the next step and then you pour everything into that next step before like you can think ahead and plan out all those things but your prerogative right now is on step one so don't get caught up in the minutia of like, oh, how am I going to do step 24? Like, I don't even, I haven't even thought about that. Like, don't get stuck there. You know, you got to just mm-hmm. focus on, on step one. And then also one really practical thing that really helps me. Last episode, Becca talked about like breathing. One thing that I've been doing a lot lately is I put earplugs in because then <laughs> I like am forced to listen to only myself breathing. Like I can literally just sit there and only hear myself breathing and it's really loud because of my earplugs are in. Anyways, and that has helped me a ton. One, because I live with roommates and I like have this FOMO thing where I just like want to be with them. If I hear them talking, I'm like, oh, I should go have fun with them and like be with them. And like, but then when I have my earplugs mm-hmm. in, it's like, nope, this is, I'm focusing on my breathing and I'm trying to do what my next step is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and another thing that, I really want to reiterate, like, I don't feel like we talk enough about this, um, is that the majority of the people that maybe want to start a business too, maybe just like you, um, they're not going to do it because they can't even get past the first thing. And like, I'm reading this book right now by um, Brian P. Morin and Michael Lennington. Wow, I'm probably butchering their (laughs) names. It's called The 12 Week Year get more done in 12 weeks than others do in 12 months. And basically the core concept of this book is like so ridiculously simple. Treat this day, this week, this month, like it's the last day of the year and all of your results need to be in. And if you do that every single day, that's huge. And I actually, I literally texted Ruthie this quote because I was like, Oh my goodness, like this totally speaks exactly to that. This is from their book. Greatness is not achieved when a great result is reached, but long before that, when an individual makes the choice to do what is necessary to be great. The results are not the attainment of greatness, but simply confirmation of it. And when she sent that to me, I was working and I literally like stopped and I was like, wow and then I sent her that's good (laughs) (laughs) yeah but think about that you don't become like people don't notice greatness until like you spent about 10 years (laughs) getting to that point and then they're like wow that's really good (laughs) but like it took you 10 years to get there and they were not cheering for you that whole time right and but it doesn't you can't become great in one day and I think like that I learned that really early on I was in basketball and I really wanted to be good at basketball by the way I am not athletically gifted <laughs> in that way and but I just would like listen to like all these different things and watch all this stuff and one of the things that they said this guy was like oh well I can teach your um, athletes to be way better at their free throws and the guy's like, okay, like, I'll pay you to do that. And he's like, and if you, it doesn't work, like, I'll give you money back or whatever. And he's like, okay, here's the simple thing. Shoot 10,000 free throws a month. 
<laughs> or whatever it was it was like a really big a number month? Ten thousand yeah. of anything in a month you can't do that yeah okay and, it like, was like how many seconds are there in a month okay fine maybe it was like a year i don't <laughs> remember but like, it was a lot and i was just like oh my word like literally the only thing that's gonna make somebody better at doing free throws is throwing free throws over and over and over again and that's all I need to do. Like, that's what I need to do every day. Like, I remember literally standing in my boots in like two Shoveled feet of snow. The, the asphalt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I stood out. I, I didn't do my free throws for this week. And I like did my free throws. And I'm like, you know what? The only thing that's going to make me better is just practice. But that's the same thing with business in general. The only thing that's going to make you better at um, building things or moving things or selling or talking or presenting is practice i'm listening to gandhi's autobiography right now it's very interesting and like one of the things that he talks about so this here's this guy who's a incredible world leader or was um he all these stories about his early life it's like he was get up to speak people would invite him to speak at different things like with his friends or whatever and start shaking so bad that he could literally say like nothing. And I haven't gotten into the point of the book yet where he's actually like started speaking. I'm like really far into it. And it's just consistently every time someone asks him to speak, he can't do it. But he just kept trying. <laughs> that like reminds me, this is really random, but like one time I went to this presentation and the guy who was giving the presentation had like someone else helping him because he didn't feel confident enough to run the slide system. And every time he <laughs> wanted the slide to advance, he would say, click <laughs> for the next for like the person to like advance the slide and i was just losing it but i'm like you know what like that's okay if you don't know technology but you're still trying to get out there and you have something valuable to share then do click. it <laughs> find a buddy that you could just say click <laughs> and somebody who can help you like point you in the right direction and then go after it mm-hmm. um so know that like the majority of the people that want to do well want to be the best at their craft they're not because they don't want to put the work in it really comes down to the work and so that fear of risk like oh am i going to be successful if you fail at your first business you are going to learn so much from that failure about if i'm going to do this again i'm going to do it way differently and here's what i'm going to do Yeah. And I also think too, one thing that's really important when you're thinking about fears of starting a business is the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. So if you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of people who have no ambitions in their life and who, I I don't know, it's, it's hard when it's your family. Like if your, your family is people who are just really not driven and you are like insanely, I'm not saying that you have to excommunicate those people from your life, but find people who are mm-hmm. going to support you. Find mm-hmm. people who are going to be your cheerleaders. Like my friend Maya. She just like, there are few people in my life who geek out about the things that I'm doing more than me. Like, it's like, <laughs> they're like, like, wow, look at you. That's amazing. Yeah. And I just like, so she just is my hype man. I call her and I'm like, hey, I'm doing this and this and this. She's like, you are. That's amazing. Like she gets so excited for me. So, and I don't need a whole army of people who are doing that. Like the Elon Musk quote that Becca talked about. Like, I don't, I don't, 
personally unfortunately i think i need that a lot more than most people (laughs) but like i don't need an army of people to do that and i don't need her telling affirming every single decision i'm making i just know that like it's nice to have those people who are supporting me Mm -hmm. and not surrounding myself with people who are constantly like that is a really bad idea why would you ever do that Mm -hmm. like you are never going to make money at that how are you ever going to succeed at that i don't see you doing that with your future i don't like think that you would actually be good at that maybe you're not organized enough to do that Mm -hmm. you know like those people who are just speaking those things to you all the time and then pretty soon you're like yeah actually it's not pretty soon if somebody if i constantly was hearing that it would not take very long for me to be like mm-hmm. you're right oh my word and then i would have to like yeah and be, the, i feel like the that. data on that is like it takes like 10 positive comments to erase a negative comment and you can't even really erase it but like maybe well, like to like <laughs> combat it combat what it does to you psychologically yeah but i do think you shouldn't just go out and search for a bunch of yes men. Yeah. Um, like you need to actually search for people who not only are like excited about what you're doing, but then like critical thinkers. Mm-hmm. And that is actually something from that John C. Maxwell book um, that we had referenced in the last episode that um, they said people who think good thing, like successful thinkers surround themselves by other successful thinkers Mm -hmm. and it's so important and i started thinking about that too and i'm like yeah all of my really good friends and the people that i enjoy hanging out with are all people that think deeply about things and it's not necessarily like deeply to the point of like they're blurting out philosophy all the time but whatever they're interested in they've thought a lot about it and they've put a lot of work into figuring out how to make something work Mm And that's what I value about them is because they take that seriously enough to look into it or to to think about all of these different aspects of how something functions. My freshman year of college, I had a friend named Lydia who had this poster on her wall and I literally was in her room maybe four times like the whole two semesters I was there. And but it said like the more interested you are, the more interesting you are. And I think about that a lot, actually. Like, just like, it's just one of those things that just pops in my head a lot. Of like, like Becca was talking about those people who are deeply invested in things. It's just, they're more, I don't know, it's not more fun, but they're fun to be around. Mm. And they help you take a lot of things that you're fearful about and put them into perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's a really nice thing. Um, because when you can say, oh, I'm just really worried about this and this and this, and it's like, you know what, like if those are the things you're worried about, if you're worried about, so for example, it could be you go do something and somebody like hates on it because they don't like what you did or you could have done it better. You could just dwell on that one thing, but they're doing nothing. All they're doing is spending their time hating on it. Mm-hmm. And I think like Gary Vee actually talked a little bit about that. It's like, I don't have time to respond to haters because I'm doing something good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, that is not an exact quote, by the way. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyways, the last thing that we wanted to talk about in this episode specifically revolves around friends. And and I think that our friends actually impact more than just surrounding ourselves with good people. But what if you lose friends? And I don't think we talk enough about that. And one thing that I think Ruthie and I kind of talked about this reason to do this specifically was because that's something that we've been talking through uh, personally. I am insanely social. Like just uh, the pandemic has been really hard on me, but I call people all the time. Like ask my roommates, I'm on the phone a lot. 
Becca is always reminding me that you have to make sacrifices. You know, and I'm not saying that you have to cut everybody out of your life because I'm telling that to myself because I always have to remind myself, like, I'm not cutting these people out of my life forever. I'm just pumping the brakes a little bit and like and just spending being more intentional about this time that I spend with them. And then when I talk to them on the phone, like it just uh, one of my friends, Whitney, like we talk a lot on the phone. And then I said I texted her the other day and I was like, hey, I want to talk with you this week, but I can only talk for an hour and a half. And she's like, I think we're going to need to set a timer because I need that accountability. And I said, okay. But when you're going to pursue something like a business that takes a lot of time and effort, you have to acknowledge where those areas are that you need to be sacrificing in your relationships and then be open with those people instead of just ghosting them. And then everybody's like, oh, Ruthie's losing herself. Like she's trying to pursue this business and, and doing all these things with this podcast. And now she doesn't have any friends anymore. Like, you know, like be open with people and say, hey, this is something that I'm really working hard at and I'm pursuing and I really value our relationship and I want to be intentional about the time that we spend together, but I can't be calling you every week anymore or something along those lines but being open with those people Mm -hmm. and then becca's going to talk more about like relationships specifically and what that could look like yeah and i think you need to remember and also especially like if you're married or if you have like really close family especially like parents or whatever that are really invested in you um figuring out how you can spend time with them while still trying to do stuff for your business (laughs) and I probably do that a little bit more than I should sometimes with my husband. But knowing that they're going to be a close, they're like, there was a research study that I read a long time ago that was like the maximum number of people, close, true friends you can have in your life at one time is seven because it's just so time consuming to maintain relationships. And I was like, wow, that's, I don't know if that's true. And then I started thinking about it. And it's true in terms of who you communicate with on a day to day basis. But this is a season not every single day of your business if you start one is going to always be working on your business but when you first start it takes a lot of time it should take a lot of time if you actually want it to push somewhere where then it can be something that is your livelihood and if it's just something that's a side hustle yeah, you can just kind of slowly start it but if it's something you're going to really dive into deep and say i'm going to make this thing big it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's super important to, to, to think about the authenticity of that because there are times where you're going to say, as a business, I want to have excellent customer service, which means making personal sacrifices um, by getting up earlier and having to ship out product to somebody because something um, happened to theirs or whatever. It's, it's cho- choosing to prove your trust to those people and you're maintaining those relationships because if you want people to come back to you over and over again, I mean, that's where sh- 80% of your sales should come from is your repeat customers. And if you can get those people's relationships maintained, then you won't have to spend so much time in the future going out and getting new business because you've developed good relationships where you provide value to those people. And so it will be a lot of your time at the beginning, but know that it's for a season until you feel that your business is sustainable and then you can start opening up to more opportunities. And I'm not saying cut everything out, right? I still do a lot of volunteering. I'm still like doing a lot of things in my community. But like it's important to know how much of your time it's going to take to really strategize writing all of your content, getting a website up, whatever. All the things that you need to do to be able to launch a business is going to take time. So 
I, I did want to just touch on this because that the one of the pieces that really pushed our conversation to talk about this, and you should check it out, is this video by Middle Ground um, on YouTube. It's like this millionaires versus the minimum wage. And mm -hmm. like these people talk about this conversation. And a lot of the people that are millionaires are like, I don't have very many fr very close friends, period, because I'm working on my business all the time. And I do think if you ever want to get to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm pushing like my goal is to become a millionaire, it's going to take a lot less time with friends because it is a lot of personal work you're going to have to put in. And I don't necessarily know if that's everyone's goal or if they just want to have a lifestyle business where it's enough to keep sustain them so they can do the things that they love. Um, but know what your goal is and where you want to bring your business to, because that's going to then determine what sacrifices you're going to need to make to get there. Okay. So we're going to transition into our sister gawk portion and I am, yeah, <laughs> Ruthie's going to tell us a story. Ruthie does not like my dog. <laughs> that's not true. Okay. okay. Yeah. You, yeah, it's it, totally it's accurate. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's not that I, I've been, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection about my relationship with animals lately in the past six months, um, because I think I maybe want to get a dog someday. And I was like, whoa, wow, that's, this is, this is big for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, just for like safety reasons and stuff. Anyways, but I, um, so I was, I've been thinking about dogs and I was watching Becca's dog and my parents' dog the other day. And I was thinking about them in terms of like that you would use to think about buying a car. <laughs> That's a nice feature. Yeah, I was like, oh, that is a bad quality or like this is a bad breed of dogs. <laughs> like these are like the drawbacks and these are like, I don't know, I was just thinking about that a lot. But then um, I went to go see a friend. And I had taken Pickles with me. This is Becca's dog. And he was outside um, their house. And then I was just like talking with my friend. And all of a sudden, this Pickles is howling, like just crazy town howling outside. <laughs> I was like, dude, like chill out. I've been inside for five minutes. And then because um, he just needs to be around people. He's just a needy dog. OK, there's a lot of not amiable qualities about him. Right. <laughs> but he's the best. Yeah, he's my he, favorite. He's a good dog. He has a lot of good things. He's got a lot of good feet. Features. anyways but so anyways he's no, howling so like crazy features <laughs> and then i so i opened the door and i was like dude and then he makes a beeline for this light pole and i was like what the heck and then he's just barking and barking and barking and digging in the snow and digging in the snow and i was like okay like i'm coming and so then i walked over there and he's just like barking at this spot on the ground and i looked down and pickles had dug up a wallet out of the snow i was like that's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. You do have some very practical values. Like I can see why somebody would really like you. <laughs> yeah, because he's smart. <laughs> yeah, he's very smart. He's a border collie and he's really wicked smart. And, um, but sometimes so smart where he like, you can actively see him deciding whether or not he's going to listen to you. Yeah, you yeah. can see his brain work. Uh -huh. And you're like, hey, don't eat that. And he's like looking at you like, and I then, really want to do that. <laughs> and then he'll just like turn around and storm <laughs> off or whatever. But anyway, so he found a wallet and then, but he's not so smart to know that it was a wallet. Oh, you can't give him that because he was barking at it and wanted me to throw it like a, like a ball. <laughs> I was like, you dummy. <laughs> then I was this like, is Whoa. not for throwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, dogs, not all bad. Right they have down. some nice features some nice features some good qualities i should say like i don't hate animals i just like them from a distance like pickles when he gets up close guess what he does 
drools on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad feature. He doesn't always do that to me. Really it's mostly to, to you. Okay, anyways. If you enjoyed this podcast, you should share it with a friend so you can get a laugh together. <laughs> and we will see you next week. <laughs>